I just want to welcome you guys. Whether you're here in person, you're following us on our Facebook page, YouTube channel, welcome, welcome. You know, we have people all over the world um, tuning in. Had texts last week of people from North Carolina, uh, people that were struggling with suicide from South America uh, that were tuning in. Uh, we have people from Colombia watching. And so uh, wherever you're coming from, welcome, welcome. My name is Alex. I'm one of the pastors here. Today we're going to be in Exodus chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, um, go ahead and turn there. Exodus chapter 3. We're going to be talking about a story that, uh, you know, if you've been to church for any period of time, you've probably heard and it's, it's a very well-known story. It's Moses and the burning bush. Now, I dare say that um, if you've been to Sunday school or if you've been to, you know, if you've been a Christian for a while, you've probably come across this story. Uh, Moses and the burning bush. I, I would almost, I, when I ask you, like, how many of you have heard the story? I'm sure most of us in the room, many of you following us would probably... Um, have read it, you know, yourself, you've maybe even taught it, uh, but I want to, I want to, like the title of the message, I want to kind of give it a little bit of a different title, the title is going to be for today, Moses and the Staff of God, so you're turning to Exodus chapter 3, if you want to follow along, Exodus chapter 3, and so the focus is going to be Moses and the staff of God, okay? Now, just to kind of bring you up to speed, Moses, God takes him to the desert, and he is um, a shepherd. He was taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. A lot of people don't know Moses as a shepherd, and God grabs his attention. Does anybody know with what? What does he grab his attention with? Help me out. With a little bit of fire. I know some of you are freaking out. He's going to turn the church on fire. Let's do that again. Um, help it out a little bit. With a fire. Now, what's the big deal about a fire? Like, there's nothing. There's not, like, a fire. You know, like, we've, we've, we've seen. Okay, it's all good. This thing is not going to. It's not gonna. It's not gonna light up. I guess you guys are safe. Should I try it a third time? No, no, no. I'm not gonna do that. Um, what's the big deal about a fire? You know, I mean, we've all seen fires, right? Hey, remind me not to um, drink my water, okay? I'm just gonna put that in there. Didn't know that was gonna make that much smoke. A fire is just a fire. Why would God use a fire to grab their his attention? You know, they had seen, I mean, there's nothing new, right? They'd seen fires from, you know, the Flintstones age. I don't know how long, but, you know, it gives you a little bit of light. It gives you energy. It warms you up. But God is gonna use a fire that's not burning anything up. And that's nothing, fire, not a big deal unless it's a fire that's not burning. And so if you look in Exodus chapter 3, verse 1, I want you to see what God, God's word says for us. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Okay, so are you tracking? Moses is a shepherd. He's taking care of the sheep. Verse 2. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within 
a bush. But Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not, what? Burn up. That's what, what, that's what was, that's, that was the attention getter for him. If I would have done the same thing and I would have tried to light up that piece of paper and the thing doesn't light up, you would have said, okay, that, there's something weird about that right there's something unusual about that now let me ask you kind of let me turn it on you how does God grab your attention how does God because there are times when we just we're oblivious we're just going through the motions you know and we focus on work or we focus on you know just the our schedules the kids I mean you know retirement I mean you name it but how does God ever come to you and say, okay, like how does he shake us up a little bit and say, come on, come on, come on, wake up. I want, I want to grab your attention. Well, I think he does it in two different, he does it in many different ways, but I'm just going to mention a couple um, as we, and this is not the main portion of the mes- message, but there's a couple of ways he does it. One is through disruptions. Disruptions. Do you know that? And it's not like God is trying to be mean to you, but he will interrupt what you're doing so that you stop and then slow down and begin to maybe focus on him he will disrupt your world a little bit and that's kind of like oh man i don't you know that that's not something that we like to hear well let me um do you remember in genesis chapter 11 i think it was yeah chapter 11 verses 1 through 9 the tower of babel the Bible says that the whole world had one language and one common speech. The whole world, one language, one common speech. And they said this, the people, okay, said this, come let us build ourselves a city with the tower that reaches to the heaven so that we may make a name for ourselves. Did you pick up like the verbiage there? Like did you pick up like, like let me read it again, slow down a little bit. Come let us build ourselves a city with the tower that reaches to the heaven so that we may make a name for ourselves. What did God do? He interrupted their plans. It's like, nope, because this life is not about you. And so he confused their languages. That's why we have so many languages. He will disrupt your world. If you're going in a certain path, in a certain direction, and God wants to grab your attention, he will say, he will, he will come in and he will interrupt whatever plans you have because he's trying to not trying to be mean. He's just trying to grab your, it's an attention getter. Now here's the other way that I think God does it. And it's all throughout scripture, unusual blessings. So it's not always a negative thing. Sometimes God will bless you. He'll, he'll send you an unusual blessing, something that you were not expected, something that's like, whoa, where did that come from? And, and that leaves you thinking, wow, thank you, God. And he uses those. So uh, Elijah, we talked about Elijah a few weeks ago, right? Elijah, is, you know, he sees God. He sends fire from heaven. Incredible miracle. The queen, the wicked queen says, I'm coming after you. Your head is going to be on my platter by tomorrow morning. Like, you're, you're dead meat. Like, you're done. And Elijah takes off. And he runs. Remember what he says? He's exhausted emotionally, spiritually, physically, like all of it. He says, I've had enough, God. I'm done. Take my life. And God uses ravens to bring him meat and bread in the morning. And then at the end of the day, he brings meat and bread 
and he uses ravens. And I mean, that's pretty unusual, right? Do you think that grabbed his attention? Absolutely. And so God is trying to get Moses' attention. And I believe that there are times in our lives when he wants to get your attention. He, he will do it through extreme circumstances. Sometimes he'll say no. Like you want something, you're asking for a house, you're asking for another job, you're asking for, and God, it's a clear no. And it's discouraging and it's, it's frustrating, right? Like you've been praying for this and it's like you know, like yeah, I guess God doesn't. Well, maybe God's trying to get your attention. Sometimes he does it through unusual blessings. Unusual blessings. Sometimes disappointments can be unusual blessings. Have you ever been disappointed and then a few days later, you notice that, oh, you know what? I'm so glad these things turn out the way they turned out. When I thought this was a setback, actually what God was using it as a setup. And so God will, will do that. Is that me? Am I, am I like, yep. So I don't know what's going on. I'm sorry, guys. Let me see if I can fix this. Um, so disruptions, unusual, unusual blessings. Sometimes it's loss of possession. Sometimes it's tragedy. Sometimes it's, it's a defeat, disappointment. Verse 3, look at it. Moses thought, so Moses thought, I will go over there and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. God grabs his attention. He goes to it. You know the story. And God begins to unwrap his plans for Moses. And he begins to talk to him and says, take off your sandals. You're standing on holy ground. And he says, I've heard the cries of my people. It's like I've taken you through a journey. Because he had been for 40 years in the desert. Have you ever been in the desert? Like, have you ever been in a place in your life where it's like, man, it's dried up. Our marriage has dried up. Our relationship, our finances, like things are not what they used to be. That's where Moses was. And yet he was being obedient. And he was being a shepherd. He was used to hanging out with Pharaoh. He was brought up. In Pharaoh's house. But now God takes him to the desert and God's train. This is boot camp. This is training ground. And he says, Moses, I'm going to use you. I've heard the cries of my people and I'm going to use you to deliver my people from the burden and the oppression of the Egyptians. Now, here's what's going to happen Moses is going to ask three questions. He's going to say, Who am I? It's good to know who you are. All right. I think sometimes we take it to the extreme. He's going to say, what should I say? Like, what do I do? You know? It's another good, that's probably a better question. What, what, what do you want me to say? You want me to go, but what, what should I say? And then the third question he's going to ask is, what if they don't believe me? And that's where doubt comes in. What if I'm obedient, but still doesn't, things don't, turn out according to the way I want to see them. So let's jump. Um, my goal is to get to chapter 4, okay, because there's a couple of verses there that I really want to hit home with, and so I'm going to be jumping a little bit in this passage, but take the time to read it on your own. You, you'll get the full thing. Verse 9 says this, so, so God says, now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the ways of the Egyptians, uh, the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, verse 10, now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And here's come, here comes his first question, verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Now, you have to understand, you've you got to put yourself in his position. Because you see Moses' humanity here. 
Pharaoh was considered a god okay he was the most powerful man on the planet people literally worshipped him some of it was because of fear but they also worshipped him because of his ideology so pharaohs in that day and age they were they and even the way they would bury them you know they wanted them they had eternal life like they were they were just not the common just the average person and so moses even though he's seen god he's talking to god and he's in relationship with him he's 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 seeing pharaoh as a god like as someone that's so much more powerful than he is and that's what we do in life we look at our problems and we see them like who am I Lord like why are you allowing me to go through this it's a good question not necessarily a bad question but does it really matter does it really really I want you to think with me for a moment just does it does it really matter for Moses to know who he is because often when we focus on ourselves that's what we ask do I have what it takes am I enough you fill in the blank better question what if Moses instead of asking who am I what if he would have said Lord would you show me your glory God would you show me what if in that moment Moses would have gotten a a, a hold of just a small a glimpse of the power that God has what if in that moment instead of saying who am I he would have said God who are you Show me your power, God. I cannot wait to go, and I cannot wait to, for them to see who you are. So when you walk in the presence of an almighty God, there's nothing that can touch you. I want, I want you to hear me today. When you, this, guy, this is not religion. I can't do this for you. The church can't do this for you. A message won't do this for you. This has got to be from within in your relationship with God. When you walk with a sovereign God, nothing can touch you unless he allows it to happen. Nothing can touch you unless you allow it to happen. Psalm 91, verse 11, those who dwell in the shelter of the Most High will remain secure and rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I love that verse. Now, to you and to me, we're going after the service. We'll go home and, man, we'll enjoy the comfort of our home. And, you know, we we have a roof over our heads. Not that big of a deal. But in that day and age, for people who often would not have shelter, for them to say, those who dwell in the shelter of the Most High, God, will remain secure and rest in the shadow of all the the Almighty. It's It's a game changer. So over the next few verses, what you're going to see is Moses having this debate with God. And they're going back and forth. Who am I, Lord? And God's like, it doesn't matter. And he's like, okay, suppose I go. Like he's negotiating with God. I, I love how, you know, sometimes we're funny, right? Like we just, you know, like if we really understood the immensity of our God, we would not dare to kind of deal with God. Well, okay, Lord, I'm going to tithe. I'm going to do this if you allow me to, you know, do this right and we and i do it too so i'm not blaming like i'm not pointing fingers in this direction it's like i'm pointing them this way okay and so he says suppose i go 
You know, what if they don't believe me? God's like, it doesn't matter. And he's like, he's going back and forth. What if they don't listen to me? And God's like, it doesn't matter. So now fast forward to chapter four, verse one, okay? Here's what I want to really hang in here for just a few minutes. I love how God does things with us because sometimes he will will answer our questions with a question, okay? And so he's, he's having a conversation with Moses and he's going to give him his answer, but he's not, it's not going to be as easy. So he's going to answer him with a question. So verse 1, chapter 4, Moses answered, what if they don't believe me? What if they don't listen to me? What, you know, what then? What if they say the Lord did not appear to you? What then? Verse 2, then the Lord said to him, what is in your hands? Amanda, um, last week, two weeks ago, I don't even remember how long it's been, uh, Mother's Day Sunday, um, she used this, and I was like, man, I want to I talk about that. What is in your hands? What is in your hands? And he replies, a staff. Well, duh, of course, Moses, you know, like, don't you think that a sovereign God would know that you're holding a staff? Come on, you know. Of course he knows. When God asks you a question, it's not because he doesn't know when God asks you a question it's because he's trying to teach you something let me ask you today what is what is in your hands what is in your hands am I still is this still flickering let's let's grab this mic So Moses says, a staff, a staff, I'm holding a staff. You know, if I was God, I mean, I would be laughing at Moses. Now, God is asking this question because a staff was a big deal. To you and to me, it may seem like, oh, just a stick, right? The staff in the Old Testament was way more than just a stick. The staff represented his possession. Most valuable, one of the most valuable um, things that he could own is a, a staff. It represents his position, Okay, like if I said, and I'm not going to do it, but if I said, okay, close your eyes, you don't have to, but close your eyes, I want you to think of a man who's wearing a, um, a f- fire-resistant jacket, an axe, a hat, some gloves, and a hose. What does that describe? Uh, a hat, a fire, you know, like a uh, resistant jacket, an axe, a big hose, gloves, fireman, right? Yeah, that's easy. If, if you saw somebody with a staff in the Old Testament, they're what? They're a shepherd, okay? So shepherds would use their staffs. They had, all shepherds had a staff. Moses was a shepherd, so it represents his position, what he does. It also represents his possession. Like a carpenter carries a saw, a hammer, right? A plumber, a wrench, right? A shepherd, he had a staff. And with that staff, he would use it. He would poke the sheep, all right. If there was one sheep that was constantly going off track, he would take that staff and he would hit their leg so hard that sometimes it would break their legs and they would not go anywhere. Okay. The staff, I mean, there's, they would use the ass hook to grab them by the neck. Okay. So for, for a shepherd, that was his most valuable tool. It represented his power. So shepherds would, would um, use, when they were tired, they would lean, they would use a staff to lean on it. So if they're on a long journey, and if you've never been to Israel, man, there's, it's just a, a lot of hills, a lot of rocky terrain, and so you're not very stable. And then what they would do is they would use that staff to plant the staff ahead of their next step. 
And they would, they would also use it for power. Like if there were anim, wild animals that were coming against the sheep in the middle of the night, he would use a staff, you know, to, um, to defend himself. And so the staff is much more than just like, oh, there's just a staff, okay? It represented a symbol of authority. So let me ask you, what is in your hands? What gifts has, has God given you? What position do you have? What authority has he allowed you to have? It, it's, you're just a steward, that's what you are. Am I still doing this? So this is, this was off. I thought I, I heard it. I don't know what's going on. But um, look in verse 2. Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He says, A staff. Verse 3. The Lord said, What? Throw it on the ground. What in the world? Throw it on the ground. What's God saying? He's saying, surrender it to me. Throw it on the ground. Surrender your position. Surrender your possessions. Surrender your authority. What do you need to surrender to him? Could it be that it's, it's what you do? It's your position? Maybe at work you need to say, God, is, is it, could it be? Is, is it the work that I do that I need to surrender? Because I am freaking out. I'm always stressing out. And it's my little God. And I just need to throw it on the ground. And God, I'm not going to let them worry me as much. I'm not going to let that project or that report consume me. I'm not going to be stressed out every day, 24-7, because of that. Maybe for you, it's, it's, it's not work. You know, we're talking about position. Maybe for you, it's you, you're a mom, and you need to surrender that to the Lord. And God, I am a mom, but my first thing is I'm a child of the king. Maybe you are a student, and that's what you need to surrender. Maybe you are a friend or a daughter or a son, and you need to say, okay, I'm going to surrender that. How about your possessions? Well, Pastor Alex, I don't have a whole lot. Well, surrender the little bit that you have. My kids, when they were young, they all, always used to say four or five. They always said, mine, mine, mine. And I, um, at times, I would say, nothing you have is yours. You know, kind of plain, but I always made them cry, you know. That's not yours. No, nothing you have is yours. It's kind of not very, yeah, I don't know about my parenting skills, but. <laughs> and they, you know, start crying, you know. But I wanted them to know, you know, whatever I have, God has provided. And whatever you have, God, through me, has provided it for you. The other day, we, um, a couple of weeks ago, we had uh, a water leak. It was actually on Katie's birthday, of all things. And it flooded her whole room. And, man, crazy stuff. So stressful, so stressful. Um, I had, like, five plumbers that came to the house. They all said, you have to repipe the whole house. Um, the first quote they gave me was $13,500. Yeah, that was my reaction. I was just in tears. <laughs> No, you know, by the four, third or fourth plumber that had come out to give us a quote, they had, the, the quote has, had gone up to 16,500, 16, you know, it's like we're going in the wrong direction here, you know, and um, very stressful, and I had to get to a point where I said, okay, Lord, this is your house, if you want me to go in debt, Lord, like, this is, this is yours, I'm, like, I don't, you, you care more about me than this little thing, and you can fix this like this. In the end, somebody from LifePoint helped me, gave me some advice. In the end, I did not need to repipe the whole house. I had the right kind of piping, and it ended up being like 
$1,100. It's like, praise, praise Jesus, you know? <laughs> you know? But I learned through that, and God was like getting a hold of me, and I learned through that. It's like, Lord, it's yours. Take it. I'm just here for a few years to manage what you've given me. It's your blessings on my life, and I thank you for it. But at the end of the day, if it breaks, it's yours. It's not mine. And when you do that, man, you experience incredible freedom. So what happens to Moses? He surrenders the staff. That's my staff. Um, he surrenders his staff. And do you know what happens to it? We know the story, right? It turns into what? A snake. I don't know about you, but I don't do snakes, okay? <laughs> I don't like snakes. In North Carolina, we had a snake come over. And, you know, you're like, macho man, you know, I'm going to take care of the snake. Not really. Our neighbor came over, and he picked it up. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, crazy, you know? I was thinking how, no, I don't want to tell you what I was thinking, but <laughs> it becomes a snake. You know, often I think of a snake as a negative. You think of the devil and Satan and, and Genesis, you know, but a snake was also a, a living thing. Right? He takes the staff, which is a piece of wood, dead wood, right? And he turns it into a living organism. Now the thing can breathe. The snake can move. The snake can see. And that's what God does when we surrender our lives to him. He transforms it. You know, the Bible talks about it. In 2 Corinthians, it talks about when you are in Christ, you're a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And so God can transform your marriage. God can transform your finances. God can transform, like, your parents, your kids. God can, he can do it. What, all we have to do is say, okay, Lord, here it is. It's yours. I'm going to let it go. The staff in Moses' hand was an incredible tool, Right? But when you surrender that to God, it's a game changer, right? What God can do in our lives. And so Moses surrenders the staff to God, and God transforms it, and he can do the same in your life. And so the application for you and for me is to say, Lord, I'm going to surrender everything. I'm going to surrender my possessions. Lord, I'm going I'm to honor you with my first. So that's what we do on Sundays, right? You know, what you're doing today, and I'm proud of you for being here and for tuning in, like you're giving God the first day of your week. We do it when we tithe, okay? That's, that's what you're doing, God, of every paycheck I'm, I'm going to get, I'm going to give you the first. I'm not going to pay all my bills first, and then you're going to be last. No, I'm going to give you my first. Now, I get it. Like some of you, you're like thinking, I don't know, like 10%. That's like, wait, you know, start. It's the attitude of the heart. If this church, if somebody gave... 10 million dollars today and money was not an issue i would still preach the same message because it's a matter of the heart it's a matter of saying god i'm gonna trust you that you can do like whatever the amount is okay don't don't we're not legalistic here but let's just say 10 percent, right i'm gonna trust you with 10 percent of my income and here's what i'm going to give you lord god can do a whole lot more with the 90 that's left right then you can do with a hundred of it. Now, get my heart here, okay? We're not in trouble financially. Our church is doing great financially. Get my heart. How are you going to trust him? You got to surrender it. And that's the same thing with your time, okay? It's the same thing with your service to him. 
It's just, I mean, you can, you can take that in so many different directions. You surrender your power, your authority, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's being a mom or being a dad. There's times when you just say, okay, Lord, I need to humble myself. I need to be a good steward of what you've given me. Surrender your position, whatever title you have. Sometimes our titles define us, right? You know, I am a pastor, you know. Well, that shouldn't define me. You know, I am, and then you fill in the blank. I am retired. I am divorced. I am this. I'm whatever. That shouldn't, you know, Christ should be the one to define you. And so surrender whatever titles you have. Say, Lord, this is, I, I am a child of the king. Now, notice Moses' reaction when he, when the, the staff turns into a snake. I love what happens. Verse 3, the Lord says, throw it on the ground. Moses throws it on the ground, becomes a snake, and he what? He ran from it. <laughs> That's what I would have done. And then God has a funny sense of humor. He says, Moses, what? Pick it up. God, I just surrendered it for you. What do you want me to be? Are you playing mind games with me? Pick it up. He picks it up and he transforms it once again could have said so many excuses right it's going to bite me it's going to poison me you want you really want me to deliver them from the the egyptians and like are you like you know verse four then the lord said to him reach out your hand and take it by the tail and moses and i love that man we could go we could talk about that and right there that's that's so much wisdom right there and so moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand did it make sense by the way didn't really make sense, right? You know, one of the hard things about tithing, and I'm, I'm hitting you hard today on that, is that it doesn't make sense in our minds. Like when you add it up, it's like, oh, you know, like you mean that I need to give, you know, and like be obedient in this area, and you mean that like God can actually stretch it and he can do more with my 90 than I can do with my 100? It doesn't make sense. But often when we lead by faith, God will transform things in our lives that we can't do. And it's when you are able to say, okay, God, it's yours. My life is yours. Like, you take it, whatever you want. It's those moments in life that, sets, that set us free. When I said, Lord, this is your house. You want me to go in that $16,000? It's your house. You like, what I felt was peace. What I felt was, like, strength. What I felt was God's grace and immediate. I mean, like, it wasn't, like, days later. Like, it was immediate. I found out, oh, it's not going to be that. It's going to be this. And through that process, God taught me a little bit more to trust him. So Moses picks it up, even though it doesn't make sense. And from this point forward, this staff is not the staff of Moses anymore. This becomes a staff of God. Some of the older translations call it the rod of God. I like that. The rod of God. And anytime you see the staff, it's not the staff of Moses anymore. It is the staff of God. And Moses does one miracle after the next. Let me show you a couple of verses and we'll close. Uh, Exodus 4.20. Exodus 4.20. So Moses took his wife and sons and started back to Egypt and took the staff, help me out, the staff of God. You see that? It's not, it's not a stick anymore. 
It's not a staff like a shepherd's staff anymore. It is a staff of God. Uh, another passage, Exodus 17, 9. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to ask you a couple of questions. First one is this. Our worship team is going to come up. First question is this. What is in your hands? What is in your hands? Oh, I don't have much. Have you surrendered what you've had, what you have? Will you surrender your life to him today? That's what Jesus, that's, that was Jesus' message, right? Pick up your cross. It's a daily thing. It's not something you do just once. You got to pick up your cross. Will you allow him to be the boss of your life? Will you allow him to be the Lord of your life? So I'm just curious, how many here in the room, and if you're watching online, how many of you would say, by raising your hand or giving us a thumbs up or letting us know, maybe texting the word Jesus to our, our number, how many of you would say, you know what, Pastor Alex, would you pray for me? I There's an area, whether it's a possession, position, power, it's an area of my life that I know I need to surrender. You're not confessing to me. This is just an opportunity for me to just pray for you. How many of you would raise your hand and say, pray for me. I need to surrender something in my life. You know, God God sees your hand. He sees your heart. What I love about our church is, you know, I know I hit hard on tithing, but it's not the money. It's the heart that he's going after. And what you receive when you're obedient is freedom. You read the rest of the chapter, Moses was still wrestling. He wrestled with, with God for the rest of his life. And that's, that's the journey of faith that we live in, right? You know, it's easy to raise your hand, give your life to Christ, get baptized. That's an event. That's a one-time thing. It's hard to pick up your cross daily. But when you do it, you experience freedom, just like Moses. He let them free. You experience peace. You experience grace. You experience strength. You experience blessings. And I'm not talking about material blessings. We Sometimes we, we're so shallow. We just keep it at such a lower level. God blesses you with so much more. So much more. And so I challenge you. Pick, if, it, if it's related to tithing, pick a number. And say, Lord, I'm going to, every paycheck, I'm going to, it's $5. God knows your heart. Pick a number that will stretch you. Some of you, you've been blessed beyond all measure. Some of you, you need to be tithing more than 10%. Read scripture. Look at the New Testament. And I promise you, the heart, my heart, like, man, like, I, this is not something that, like, we need money. I'm going to, I need a raise. None of that's going to happen. The kingdom of God is just going to be advanced. Some of you, you're not serving. You're not serving. You show up, you sit down, you tithe, and you leave. Some of you, you need to be actively involved in the kingdom. You need to be a part of what God wants you to do. For some of you, it's your influence. You hide who you are. You know, you're a Christian here at LifePoint, but in the community, you never talk about God. 
or you shy away and you, you need to use the influence that God's the platform that God's given you for his kingdom it's his and his alone you're only here on this earth for a short period of time so do you want the freedom do you want the blessing do you want the peace pick up pick up the snake oh no it's gonna bite me it doesn't make sense pick it up anyway surrender it when God says surrender it pick it up when God says pick it up be a Moses Father God we thank you so much that you say to us I love you in spite of what has happened you say to us I love you in spite of what you have done and you have what you have said I love you therefore I'm not I'm not done with you yet I love you therefore I believe that there is still hope in your marriage, in your finances. I love you so I don't keep records of wrongdoing. I love you so I don't rejoice in your sin. I love you so I'll be patient. I'll be long-suffering. I love you so I'll forgive you again. I love you. I love you. I love you. I will always be there for you. There's nothing to fear. I'm here for you. God, thank you for the story of Moses. may it be true in our lives to obey you like he did in that moment. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand.